0: Hello and welcome to In the Harbor podcast with Stenman, Joel, and Jacob. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, yeah episode. Episode. Five. Yeah, this yeah. Is episode five. So um, you know we've done five episodes so far. Um, that's pretty. It's pretty awesome. So today, um, we're going to talk about Easter. Easter is this Sunday. Um, tomorrow is Good Friday. So we just want to talk about Easter and kind of like how our experiences have been with Easter and kind of what Easter is about, um, why we celebrate it, and some of the other stuff about Easter, like the Easter egg bunny, like if we did stuff with that, Easter baskets and all that stuff. So I first want to kind of read um, why we, in the Bible, in Matthew, why we celebrate Easter. So I'm going to read from Matthew um, chapter... Um, 27. Yeah, sweet. Go so, for it. Yeah, it's it's not too long. So this is the death of Jesus, starting for verse 45. It says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lame, savage, That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sorry, my uh, Hebrew is not very good. Hebrew's tough.
1: You're doing um, great, Joel.
0: And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So that's basically when he died. Um, and then basically when we celebrate Easter, it's about the resurrection, um, it says, now after the Sabbath, this is in starting in chapter 28, now after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb and behold there was a great earthquake from an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came in, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became dead like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen,
2: as he said. So, basically, those verses are why we celebrate Easter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like, in a nutshell, I think that summarizes it really well. Yeah. You know, because... during this time um i think it's super important even you know for myself included to remind ourselves why easter is important yeah and why sure. we should remember you know the birth or um, sorry the death of christ um and his you know sacrifice and his resurrection and too it's not all about yeah. bunnies and candies and chocolate no i mean that's kind of <laughs> got
0: uh mainstreamed and kind of <coughs> politicized or
1: yeah. yeah yeah it's a really powerful holiday actually um and I think the entirety of Holy Week 2 is a, a really, really yeah. interesting topic. And it's it kind of, uh, you know, most churches either, um, I mean, we, we talk about the resurrection or the death of Jesus. Um, and sometimes, you know, some churches take communion every week and that kind of thing to to kind of think about that and renew that. But um, I kind of feel like it's it's typical that it's one or the other. You know, um, and I, I like the idea of Holy Week leading up to Easter because we get to talk about, you know, like Good Friday with the death of Jesus and then see how that follows through to um, Easter Sunday where Jesus is risen. Um, and it's it's that, that full experience of remembering his death, um, you know, his time being dead and then him being raised from the grave by God. Um, and all that that symbolizes, you know, of, of resurrection power and, and forgiveness of sins and atonement and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's, it's really cool.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times we as Christians kind of get caught up in all the um, marketing of Easter. And it's kind of hard to say, you know, we don't want to participate in a lot of that stuff because it's fun. Um, but we really should focus on the death and burial mm-hmm. and crucifixion of Christ. And three days later, he rose again. So, I kind of want to start it off and ask, like, Stedman, like, what was your experience growing up with Easter? Like, did you celebrate the Easter bunny? Did you do, like, Easter egg baskets, die Easter eggs and all that? Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, So, growing up, uh, we had some neighbors and some friends that were a lot older than I was, Um, but when me and my sisters were really little, like, toddlers, you know, we would do Easter egg hunts, and, um, you know, you have those little chocolates in those plastic eggs that you get, you know, and find, and... Um, those are the best with like the little so like jelly beans. Oh up. my goodness, <laughs> dude, they're so good Yeah, those Reese's peanut butter yeah. cups and all that—it's delicious. But oh, robin eggs—have you oh, ever had those? Yes, dude, they're so <laughs> good. They're I had so some the other good. day. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we would do Easter egg hunts growing up a lot. Um, yeah, and obviously, like once you grow up, then you know it's it's less. You know, my parents taught me. You know, it's like less about the Easter eggs and the chocolate, and more about like Christ's death, um, his sacrifice for us on the cross, and just the significance and the meaning behind that. Um, so my church does a fantastic job of like, kind of, we, we have a good Friday service uh, mm-hmm. every Friday totally. before Easter, you know, um, but they do a really good job at just kinda, you know, playing some music and reading scripture um, and going over just the different um Significant meaning behind, you know, Christ's death on the cross. And it's like a very, it's a very heavy sermon, you know, um, and totally. and service, um, because you really are like, wow, like you know, Christ did this for me, and He suffered, yeah, um, and took all the sin upon Himself, and then. But I always remembered, like growing up, having that heaviness on Good Friday. Made the joy of like Easter Sunday so yeah. much more like significant, you know. And you go to Easter Sunday and you dress up and you eat good food and have good fellowship with other believers, like, super special. So, totally. um, so yeah, like, we did have, in at the same time, like, you know, it's a tradition in my family that we would have just small Easter egg baskets, you know, um, like you come downstairs in the morning and like my parents would have chocolates for us, um, set out on the table, but. Um, other than that, like, you know, we always try to keep the attention away from like, oh, Easter's about the Easter bunny. And, yeah. you know, because that's really not the focus. Totally. Right. It's not at all. Um, so they did a great job. And my church does a fantastic job at just like, you know, including Christ's um, death and resurrection. Um, so, yeah, I love that. but. Jacob, um, what was what was your experience like? Was it similar? Or yeah, Jacob. I mean, you grew up Seventh Day Adventist, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know you guys know. Um, for listeners, I I grew up in the, the Seventh Day Adventist church, um, and yeah, my experience with Easter is is kind of weird. Looking back on it, um, my family didn't really celebrate it that much. Um, it. You know, in some of the Adventism, and I don't want to dog on it, you know, I value a lot of things in the church. And there are definitely some uh, things, you know, theological things I disagree with, um, and even church practices. But overall, um, I, I definitely value growing up in the church. But one of the things I, I've learned coming to Colorado Christian and experiencing the rest of Protestant Christianity is this, um, this idea of, of Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Um, I I didn't grow up with any of that. I didn't know about Holy Week until probably about a year ago. Um, uh, of course we celebrated Easter, um, that's partly because it's such a, a mainstream holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't something, you know, like my family's not, not one to do big festivities about anything. So, you know, growing up, we had, you know, four or five, you know, years where we got together with, you know, cousins and stuff and had like Easter egg hunts. Um, but, you know, as we got older, it, it mainly uh, resolved down to like just having dinner with family on on yeah. that Sunday. Um, and obviously, like, <clears throat> part of being in the Seventh-day Adventist church is the fact that we have church on Saturdays. And so it, it didn't quite line up uh, which I, I think is part of the reason Holy Week isn't isn't a big thing in the SDA church, but um, you know, we would talk about the meaning of Easter on, you know, church on Saturday and, you know, it was definitely like um, something that we knew. It wasn't like I was oblivious to the fact that Easter is about Jesus' um, death and specifically his resurrection from the grave and the meaning of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely it was a holiday that was played down in in my family, um, and and not something that was, you know, entirely meaningful to me. I would say, um, but I think I think it's an awesome awesome concept, and I, I'm glad to to be in an environment now that that really puts a lot of emphasis on it. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's my yeah that's my story. <laughs> so I kind of
0: go on. I'm kind of with Stedman. Um, I grew up in the Evangelical Free Church of America, which is. I don't know, Stedman, what were you,
2: Presbyterian? Uh, yeah, more like Reformed Reform, Presbyterian, Presbyterian yeah. yeah. So like,
0: yeah. I grew up in the Evangelical Free Church, and it was really, really evangelical. Um, we did celebrate Good Friday, but I never went. Um, my grandpa's birthday falls on the 15th. Um, mm-hmm. So I kinda, you know, Easter's basically around his birthday, so we always celebrate his birthday. Yeah. Um, which I I'll celebrate. i celebrate his birthday tomorrow anyway. So, um, but like, we didn't go to Good Friday that much. I think it went, I've been to one Good Friday service. Um, and that was really heavy too, like Stedman said. It was really heavy to hear like, you know, he suffered and took upon all our sin. It wasn't just like one person's sin. It was everybody's sin for eternity. It was, it was like the people before he took on their sin, the people after and the people present. He took on their sin and that's something i don't think a lot of us really recognize that he took it on mm-hmm. everything he bore that when it says the veil was torn god was separated jesus was separated from god for a time being and it's um there's like some i don't
1: really grasp enough mm-hmm. because it's not something i really think about but oh yeah i mean think about <laughs> there's so many concepts around jesus's death and resurrection that we have no you know we have any idea how to grasp? Yeah. and like like, like like
0: the Apostles' Creed, it says he ascended into or descended in the hell. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a creed. That's a pretty good creed in the Christian Church. Not all Christians accept that creed, but and there's many verses that can back up that he descended in the hell. That means that could mean like be interpreted anyway, but that means he was separated from God for a time being, and then he sent it in the heaven. I mean, in reality. There was full separation from God, and there was no intercession in that. Mm-hmm. You know, either from the Old Testament law and then from the New Testament Jesus, there there was no intercession for a time for three days, and that just like that that just uh, mind boggles me.
2: Where it's like, wow, I can't I can't imagine that. Yeah, that's interesting. And for you know, and like for younger kids too, like that's a big concept yeah. to grasp. Even for older kids, like for me, I, this yeah, is still I'm, a, I'm 19 years, years old. It's still hard to, a yeah. hard concept to grasp. Yeah, you totally. know, and to to really imagine like. Christ, like the 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 power, I guess that you know, Scripture portrays as uh, Christ, you know, being fully man and fully God. Yeah, is that by him being fully man, we were or he was able to experience every single pain and mm-hmm. suffering totally. that we have experienced. You know, yeah, every single emotion we've thought and felt, every single sin we've, you know, thought of and conducted, like Christ has been tempted in the same way yeah. as man. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's something know? I lose too. And I think a lot of us lose. I think all three
0: lose where mm-hmm. it's like Christ was tempted. Mm-hmm. He was fully human. I think we forget that. Like we're always oh, God. He can't sin. He was fully human too. And like yeah. he was tempted in every way, sexually. I bet you he was tempted sexually. I bet you he was tempted in lots of ways, you know, all the ways that we struggle with. And it's like, Wow.
2: That's that's comforting to know that. Yeah. And that he
0: did not sin.
2: Right. Or, like, you know, just small things too, like tempted to lie, tempted to do something that was um, a lack of integrity, you know, like, but he, it's mind boggling, like, as a human, that he was able to never sin. Yeah. Not once. Like, it's crazy. He humbled himself as a human to not sin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's crazy to think, um, you know no matter what your specific views are on how the holy spirit works in us but to think that like jesus was able to resist all of that temptation totally. and now we have access to that same you know spirit that same power um that that now theoretically lives in us and and we can use that and have that at hand um to resist the temptation that we face every day you know mm-hmm. and it's It's kind of a—it's a hard topic, right? Because we struggle with things. Yeah. It's not like it's easy, but it's—it's cool to think that that is a power that we can tap into. Yeah. And it's—and
0: it's—and it's it's comforting to know that Christ died for everybody. He died for the people who reject Him. That is the gospel. That He died for every single soul, so that we might have a relationship. Not that we won't go to heaven, like. That's not the point of the gospel. Yes, we're going to go to heaven if we believe in Christ, and so we don't. So then we avoid hell. But that's not the full. That's a part of the gospel. That's not the full scope. It's like that Jesus came to earth. He humbled himself to the point of a death on a cross, and it's like, wow, that's just that's mind-boggling to even think about that he humbled himself so much that he died on the cross.
2: Yeah, yeah, super powerful. I mean, it's crazy. His, I mean,
0: in his human sense. He was a human, died on the cross. He was fully God, but he was a human
1: who died on the cross. His flesh, he pain, painful. Yeah, he willingly submitted to that amount of suffering, which is absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, like, it, yeah. I mean, each of us has little, um, a little, a little bit of an idea, right, of yeah. of what it would be to want to uh, to die in somebody else's place, right that kind of love we all have you know at least a small portion of that would that be like idea. agape love is that what agape means yeah i, I have I've sure. heard a bunch of different things yeah. about agape love actually i'm not really sure i've heard um actually that it it's kind of a it was a new yeah. greek phrase at the time and kind of the bible kind of defined it so, so on the internet i just
0: searched up agape love and it says agape love is selfless sacrificial unconditional love it is the highest Of the four types of love in the Bible, this Greek word agape and variations of it are frequently found throughout the New Testament, but rarely in the non-Christian
1: Greek literature. Yeah. Yeah. It was something that kind of was taken on by the New Testament authors and molded and shaped by Jesus's sacrifice. Yeah. And that's kind of what what formed the basis for that word. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, but um, I can't even imagine submitting myself to the pain of being on a cross yeah. not only that the well, pain of physically, physically suffering, suffering. I mean, but he, then taking on all the sins of humanity yeah. that's I mean, a whole nother he had thing.
0: railroad nails drilled through his hands and drilled through his feet yeah. i mean his and wrists hung there, wrists yeah yeah, his, yeah which are like wrists. your nerve centers. he literally got them nailed in there no like anesthesia you get cut like a little paper cut you're ah, that hurt nails yeah like crucifixion an inch, an inch or two in like Right through him, you could see right through. And that's why, like Thomas was like, "Let me see the nail marks. Let me see yeah. the
1: holes. Let me put. Let me feel
0: it." Because he knew how much pain and suffering he went through. No,
1: seriously, crucifixion was awful. Yeah, it caught like the the way that your arms were up. Yeah, caused paralysis in your chest muscles, which meant you yeah. couldn't breathe. No, and your legs were bent, and so to relieve that paralysis to, to breathe, up. you had to push up, yeah. which would put all the pressure on those feet and cause so much pain there and to relieve that you had to and didn't you actually
0: suffocate to death you did yeah, most yeah. people suffocated you didn't yeah. like you're not like dead from just hanging there you're dead from suffocation no right? yeah it was mostly suffocation and what was awful what, some people ask
1: like four days
0: yeah what mind boggles me is like this was a roman practice oh um, yeah and that was it peter who church history says he uh, <laughs> was crucified upside down mm-hmm. like like that also is another way Peter's not God, he's not sinless. But like he humbled himself and he was about to get crucified. And he said, Don't crucify me like my God. Crucify me upside down. That is that is like humble, like ultimate humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's crazy that even Peter did that. Where it's like, no, I don't want to be crucified like my Lord. Hang me upside down.
1: Yeah.
2: One of the best like movies that this is another thing that my family's done in the past too is The Passion of the Christ, the film by Mel Gibson. Um and it's very, very sobering, but it paints a really, really good picture. Like I think in my personal opinion, like it paints as close of a picture as we can uh, imagine to what Christ, like his crucifixion and, you know, coming before Pontius Pilate, like that whole process looked like. Um and like the movie's super gruesome but it's very um sobering and it does really paint like a detailed picture of what it could have looked like you know um the the thing that like is hard to imagine though is you know we think of you know all right so he had railroad spikes driven through his wrists and his feet right and just just that alone sounds like excruciating to all of us right but that was like not even half of the pain he went through because he was whipped he was beaten yeah. he had like crowns driven into his brain or thorns driven into his brain like crown of thorns yeah like and they didn't they, it's not like they just set, you know, the crown of thorns on his head and left it. Like they hammered it into his skull. Well,
1: yeah, and just think about this. If your back is is ripped up and torn oh. and bleeding and you're on a cross and you can't breathe, so you push up on your legs, your back is just rubbing across that wood as you push up and as you let go to release the, the pain on your feet it rubs back down. And if you do that over and over and over again to keep yourself from suffocating, imagine the extra pain that would cause too. Yeah. Well, and like, so I'm going to read a little bit more in
0: Luke um, chapter 22, verse 63. This is when Jesus mocked. It says, Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. So they blindfolded jesus and beat him and threw him around and whipped him uh a roman scourge i think that's what it's called um i'm pretty sure it's what it's called romans maybe it's scourge i don't know scourge i don't know whatever that's it's a sure. roman whip basically it has spikes uh, yeah, yeah it's a really heavy it's like a ra- broken pieces of yeah it's a real ro- it's a rawhide um whip with like basically nails glass whatever in it and that's what they used to whip him with i mean and, he and took uh, that It just tear your skin it takes like chunks of yeah. your skin it's not just yeah. a whip yeah. it's a Torture device.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah, they tortured. The they process. tortured Jesus.
0: Yeah, this wasn't just a. He died on the cross. They tortured him before, and that's like some of the, like the videos on YouTube of like Jesus dying on the cross are so gruesome. Um, I remember. In, do you re, you remember Jones when he showed us that crucifixion yep. video? Yeah, that was from the Passion of the Christ. Yeah, okay, it wasn't the Passion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that is the most graphic thing in the world. Yeah, I, I, I should have yeah, cried. It's really really accurate. Like yeah. I cried during that. I mean, to just to see my Christ, my Lord suffered
1: like that on a video it it, it gets me every time yeah i mean you can't help but picture what that feels like totally and that's just us imagining that right it's just a microcosm of the the pain that he felt Mm -hmm. just a tiny 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 amount yeah because on top of all the physical pain he was dealing with separation from god he was Mm -hmm. dealing with taking on all the sins of the world peter peter had just denied him oh yeah he knew about that everybody rejected him Everybody, the people that he came to save had put him up on this cross to be tortured and killed. And this is not a bash at Jewish people at all. Absolutely not. The people
0: he came to save crucified him. Yeah. They said, "Crucify him! Give me the robber or Barnabas! Give me him! Barabbas!
1: Barabbas! Sorry! Give me him!" They wanted him instead of Jesus, the Christ. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's really humbling. Like when you think about it, it's just. It shakes you, yeah. You know, and well, I think that's that's what Easter is all about. Yeah, it should it should shake yeah. us. You know, we never think about this really. Oh. You know, we talk about the power of Jesus' death and resurrection,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it takes really thinking about it, really yeah. considering the pain and the suffering. And that makes the power of it even more, yeah. you know, that, that's what makes it meaningful. Well, and like I wear a cross all the time and it's like a shiny little,
0: you know, piece of jewelry. And it's like, they reminds me of the cross, but it doesn't give me the false picture. Like it's not a bloody Jesus dying on the cross. It's just, it's a nice look to look at, but the cross is not pretty and it's offensive. It's offensive to people. The cross is offensive because you have to humble yourself and say, whoa i am doing so much wrong that my god would die for me mm-hmm. um you yeah have to humble yourself
1: the cross is so offensive to people no it, it, i mean you know i don't want to like stray away from our topic a little bit but like how weird is it that as a religion we've chosen christ's device of death to be the symbol of yeah. of our salvation yeah it's so weird like we carry that around when you think of Christianity, you think of a cross. At CCU, all of our windows have crosses Have crosses in them. The whole buildings are painted with it, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, that is, that was a thing that killed Jesus. Yeah. And that's what we wear, that's what we see, that's what we look to. And it's that that thing of pain and suffering yeah. that defines Christianity, that defines us as Christians and followers of Jesus. That's, that's by nature yeah. our calling. Although it is offensive then you look at it when you become a Christian
0: it's hope that cross is hope that Christ died for me and yeah. that's a reminder for that hope
1: yeah it's like the the story in is it numbers um of the the fiery serpents um uh-huh. that God sends on Israel and he calls Moses to take up or to to make a uh a staff or um a pole basically a cross that uh, has a bronze serpent on it. Um, and that's what um, the the Israelites had to look to to be healed from these snakes biting them. Yeah, and it's it was that that same concept of that thing that is your punishment, that thing that is your judgment is also your salvation. Totally. you know, and that's Jesus, right? Jesus is he came as a judge. He came as somebody to call us to repentance. But it's him that's our salvation. Mm-hmm. It's it's him that we have to look to to be saved, um, and, and to lead us out of the the death that we naturally deserve get ourselves into and deserve yeah yeah
2: mm-hmm. um, absolutely no absolutely and it is like it's kind of interesting to to think and ponder on that you know like for especially for non-believers you know um, I'm sure they're you know they they just think of the cross and it's like okay well that's just christianity right but for believers like joel was saying it's a symbol of hope you know and for the the second coming of christ you know and as a reminder until christ returns and until he and until we are born again uh it's a reminder of like what he did for us and that we because of him and because of his sacrifice that we can spend eternity with him yeah again in heaven you know that's what that that's the special that's the special privilege that we as christians have is hope you know and not again like not to stray away really from the topic but so many other religions in the world really don't have hope if you think about it they don't they don't have hope they they it's all about works you know like i gotta be a good person i gotta always do you know it's a checklist of things i gotta do but for Christians, like we don't, you know, we, we can't. We, we we can't, and we know that we're broken and we're sinful. But like, there's hope for us, and and that's a privilege that we yeah. have that separates us and it it sets us apart as um, believers from the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, why would you follow a religion like Christianity that literally says in the Bible, deny yourself? Every other religion in the world says do good for you, mm. like uh, Islam. Um, Muslims basically say, you have to do good to better yourself to get to paradise. Buddhists, it's all about trying to get you know, better for yourself. Even Mormonism, Mormons say they're Christians. I'll straight up say right now, I don't believe that. Um, it's all about good works. But Christianity says, no, it's not about my good works, it's about my faith in Christ. No matter what I have done, he will always take me back, he'll always forgive me. That's not an excuse to sin. But it's such hope, and it's and 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 why would you follow a religion to just says deny yourself? Well,
1: because there's hope in it, there's hope in denying yourself, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think all around, uh, religion in general, right, it serves a purpose to to give meaning to life, right? Totally. I, I think of secular, um, kind of atheistic culture, and you see. Hopelessness, you see, meaningless, right? Because there's no inherent meaning to life. That's what like half of the you know genre of philosophy discusses: is how do we make meaning out of being basically monkeys on a flying rock? You know, and and it's <laughs> like true. seriously, oh, yeah, it's yeah. weird, but um, <laughs> like seriously, that's that's what religion does, right? Totally. But it's Christianity takes that extra step and goes yeah here's meaning right there's a god who made you who made you in his image and you're failing at that you know you were called to a standard you're called to spread his blessings and his goodness over the entire world and instead you've brought sin into his good world and that was israel right that was judaism god calls you to be the image of God, right? To be to be His representative on Earth, His um, kind of governor of sorts on the planet, and then we get this new aspect when Christ comes, that we're supposed to deny ourselves and we're supposed to follow Him and let Him lead us into that same goal of bringing His kingdom back to Earth. Yeah. Right, and it's. It is weird because it's an element of suffering and and hardship that we're called to, and it, that's that is what's different about our religion than than so many others. It's it provides meaning, but it also gives us hope of a kingdom to come. Yeah, you know, a kingdom that we are right now building and and bringing, you know, into this this planet that God created and um, but it's not it's not by ourselves it's now you know <laughs> it's now jesus working in and through us um, and and leading us to those those good works right um, because as christians we're we're still called to bring god's kingdom totally. to the world we're not called to sin we're called to repent. no
0: and we are called i mean faith without works is dead it's not the works that save you but there has to be evidence of that there can't be you can't just be oh well christ died for me i'm gonna go sin and i'm gonna be a murderer or whatever no it's still about striving to be like christ that does not save you being good but that's evidence that you are saved and that you're doing the things that christ has told you to do yeah yeah
2: totally so i uh i actually had the the privilege to share the gospel the other day with um uh, one of my ROTC cadet um, buddies um, from school of mines, but um, oh, really? yeah, and uh, it was on our way to. Uh, it was a big bus ride, so I had a lot of time. But she she was really interested, you know, and, and engaged, and she was asking me a lot of questions. But like one of the things that it probed in me was how like crazy some people's beliefs are. Yeah, you know, like her beliefs, her personal beliefs, is like. She's a humanist, essentially. Okay. And so she believes like we are all our own gods, and everything in creation, and like ourselves included, just happened to be. And the universe, mm. you know, like there was like a spark, at, you know, out of nowhere, poof, here we are, you know. and totally. So she was saying like, "Isn't it just cool how lucky we are to be here?" And I was like, "No, I mean, I mean, it's not luck, you know. Like we didn't just pop." God put pop us here, out here for nowhere, a purpose, you know. Yeah. And I was explaining to her the gospel message and she was she was really asking me and uh, I explained to her, you know, like, yes, you know, one of the things that Christians get a lot is that we're hypocrites, you know, and, and people say like, oh, you're a Christian, but you, you know, you, you preach the gospel, but like, you're just like the rest of us, you know, but you're a hypocrite because you say, you, you know, that you got to be saved to go to heaven. But, you know, she was confused because she was like, how can you be saved? Uh, um, as a believer, and still sin. You know how can you, um, how can you not just do a checklist of good works and still be saved? She she couldn't understand. it. Totally. I was I was doing a tough time like explaining it. You know? Yeah, which like, makes
1: sense because those are really really hard topics that we've been debating for about two thousand years now. You yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's it's tough. It's not it's not like stuff that's necessarily easy to comprehend at all. No,
2: totally. And it's only like in those situations, it, it's so hard with someone who just has no grasp of understanding to be able to make it make sense. Because then, like, you don't want to sound crazy, you know. But I was just trying to explain to her that, um, you know, we are saved by faith alone, you know, in Christ alone. Through all. grace alone, yeah. Through grace alone. And, you know, like, it's not of our own works, but it's like the gift of God that Sola gives us Dia our Gloria. salvation. And she's like, well... You know, so you're telling me that, you know, you can still mess up as much as you want, but, like, if you, as long as you repent to your God, then, like, you'll be saved. And I was like, no, that's not it either, (laughs) you know. And so she's like, what? And so I tried to relay it, but it's tough. Like, when you're in that situation of evangelizing with someone that doesn't have a good grasp of Christianity, like, you know, it it really challenges the way you think, and it challenges your faith, you know. And so it's good, but it's tough.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, I'll be honest; those are things that I've been struggling. Those are questions that I've been struggling with for the last, you know, mm-hmm. three or four years, and have led me away from Christianity multiple times. Um, I've almost given up the faith, you know, probably three or four times in the last three years, just because those questions. They, you know, um, if you're in the faith and you read the literature and you read the Bible and you trust in it, it's not a problem. But once you start to question there, there's areas that don't necessarily have clear answers and they're not necessarily logical or fit in with the way that we now understand the world to work. And it's tough. It's tough. But um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I admire people who do question the faith, but there's also an element of you do have to trust, you know, there's, there's, Things about Christianity that are so unbelievably complex <laughs> and beautiful. it's hard to believe. Hard to believe. It's hard to believe, but it's also the fact that we have a unified narrative, right, in the form of the Bible, that you know has started from you know, the beginning of humanity and has been added to and in, in work, you know, over thousands and thousands of years. And people still believe in it today. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. There's no precedent for that at no. all. And there's things like that that just like like there's something special about Christianity. There's something special about you know the Judeo-Christian worldview that that is so unique, and and you know gives me the the faith to trust that even if I have these questions. You know there is there's a truth to this right um and it's something that i can believe in it's something that i can look to for meaning and hope and really fully dive into you know um that's awesome yeah that's the whole gospel
0: I want to bring up one more thing um, as we bring it to a close. Um, how does like Easter affect your view on communion? Because um, there's so many views on communion, and like, is it the body and blood of Christ? Which I tend to say, yes, it is the body and blood of Christ. I don't think it ceases to be blood or um, wine and bread, but it is His literal body and blood. I don't think it's just a symbol. I think it's more than that. Um, so, but how does that affect you guys' view on that? I don't know what you guys' view is. I've never asked you guys, but how does that affect you guys? Um, Easter.
2: Yeah, so um, so I would say with communion in general, um, and then I'll tie it into Easter. But with communion in general, um, I really believe that like if you're just simply taking communion to kind of you know quote go through the motions, um, or you're just taking communion because you walked into church, they handed you a communion cup, and like that's what you do. Uh, I don't believe that you should be taking it because I th- essentially think that you're making a mockery of you know the um, the I guess symbol that it represents of Christ's um, you know body being broken for us and His blood that was poured out for our sins um, and I really do I believe that's making a mockery if you don't believe in your heart um, that Jesus is Lord and that you've accepted Him into your life. Um, then I think that you need to let those elements pass. Um, yeah, totally. and I've learned a lot of that from my pastor directly, uh, Pastor White, um, and he's like been a really big influence with like the way I've thought through that. Um, but like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but um, it uh, yeah, I think that with Easter like. If you do believe that with your, with your heart, then you should partake in those elements. Totally. Because it is a constant reminder to us as believers of, like, this is Christ's body that's been broken for us. This is his blood that was poured out for us. And, I, you know, that's special. That's yeah. something we can share with others, you know.
0: And it's, in, it's for us. It's, it's said specifically in First Corinthians and stuff like that that it's for the body of Christ. Right. It's for us
1: yeah yeah I totally agree with that um, Joel I feel like I've talked to you about this before but um, a while back uh, when my dad was was younger probably when I was you know a baby or so totally um, he had a lot of these same questions about the faith he was in church and he heard things that just didn't quite make sense he wasn't totally sure about things and so he decided to do his own deep Bible studies uh-huh. um, and kind of scholarly, you know, dive into um, what these terms mean. And one of them was communion. Um well it actually started with a dive into what the Ten Commandments were and what they meant to us today as Christians. And it turned into this this um, split off onto communion. And I, I found this essay that he wrote. Uh your dad. Yeah, that my okay. dad wrote I do remember you telling me about this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he basically found that after a whole bunch of study, a lot of scholars Say that um, the way that so so the uh, the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament right were the testimony right they were the physical sign that Israel had made a covenant with God yeah that they were called to these these um, laws of instruction and it was their job to keep to keep those up right and God would be faithful yeah um, even. If they didn't, right? And um, that was talked about as the testimony of the covenant, right? It was the thing that showed that that covenant existed, and that language is actually applied to the partaking of communion mm. in the New Testament. Okay, the the bread and the wine are actually talked about as the testimony of the covenant that we have made with Jesus, um, which I found super super like awesome because it gave new meaning to the, the act of communion that I hadn't thought about before. It's, when I take communion, I am basically bringing into existence a you know a symbol, at the very least, right, that I have a covenant with God, that I made an agreement with God and God did something for me, in Jesus' death and resurrection, I have new life, right, that my sins are forgiven. And I'm called to obey Him and to trust in Him and to have faith in Him, and it's that that relationship, that covenantal relationship between me and God, that communion, right, is talking about that it, it um, kind of fulfills and um, is you know yeah, um, which is why I totally agree with the fact that why would a non-believer take part in communion if it is if it is the kind of the the testimony of the covenant that i have with god yeah an unbeliever doesn't have that he hasn't entered into that covenant with god Mm -hmm. right and so why it's not for him it's not for him yeah um and so i totally think if you are a believer then yeah like communion is an amazing thing because it's you not necessarily renewing that but at least mentally reminding and bringing that that agreement that you have with god you know yeah And, and the the fact that he did those things he died for you, right? Back into your life. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean in, in having that view combined with um the whole idea of of Jesus dying and entering the grave and rising again. You know, that whole idea of Good Friday leading into Easter. That's all it, it just makes that idea of communion even more meaningful.
2: Yeah. I'd say too like, you know, even myself included in this and like I'm sure others can relate um but it's it's easy like you know you're in church the pastor walks you through communion might read a passage in luke or whatever but it's easy to just eat the bread drink the grape juice or the wine and to not really think much of it you know and to yeah, just totally. say like here we go pop it in drink yeah. it swallow it you know you're good to go but like it really shouldn't be like that like you really should try to reflect on it and pray and like thank God, you know, and say like, Lord, like I'm a broken sinner, but thank you for your salvation. And uh, thank you for this reminder, you know, that we have, that we are like united with you, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's it's really easy to just like forget to do that, I think, but it, we should, like we should yeah. do that.
0: Um, yeah. One thing yeah. I want to say, like when I was younger, um, I grew up in the Evangelical Church of America and well even juggle free church of america um and we it was always like oh this is a symbol you know this is always um you know that my mom at the time was like no you need to pray before we take communion and you need to get right with god um mm. obviously you can't always get right with, you can't 100 percent get right with god but you need to pray because this is a higher up thing like she held a higher standard of it than the church that we went to did um and now my mom's eastern orthodox and that that view of communion I really like. I really enjoy the, the respect and the um, taking Scripture literally in that sense of saying, this is the body of Christ. This is the blood. And saying, I'm going to put myself in reverence to him because he died on that cross for me. And that's one of the things like Jacob and I, and Stephen Stead sometimes goes to um, Park Church here in Lakewood. Um, well, it's a little a little bit um, south, north of Lakewood. Yeah. yeah. Um, And one thing they announced announced last week was that they're going to go back to um, going up to get a piece of bread. Real bread. Real bread. Not like the little wafers in the cups. Yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. hallelujah. But they they said...
2: little COVID cups. Yeah, no, seriously. They said they're (laughs) going
0: back to taking a real piece of bread and dipping it in the wine and they're going to say, this is the body and this is the blood. And that's what it's all about. You don't need to take communion in your seat you should just my opinion go up and receive it because your is an act of worship with other fellow believers it's what you're called to do in the fellowship together yeah and i really like i that. love that i love it yeah, and i'm so glad that we're going to do that because I've, I've always wanted to do that and i love that park we take it every week but I'm also really glad that we're gonna take it and go up because I always oh. wanted to do that um, and we never do that at my church we yeah. just we just passed it yeah round. yeah that never same happened. same with
2: us you'd have like an usher yeah. you know pass it down the line yeah. you know but which, yeah. which I
0: don't think there's anything
2: It's not bad
0: but. well there's I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily like you're not like taking bad communion but I think you need to have that more reverence to God and say I'm gonna go up and put myself out of my comfort
1: zone and go take this um element yeah. and go take this sacrament. Yeah, no, actually, though, like, I I love how you mentioned kind of going out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Because I had never done that before. I had never done that before in my entire life. And um, I went to an Anglican church with a couple of friends, and they did that. They had real bread and real wine, and you're supposed to go up there and take the bread. You know, they give you, they break off a little piece, they give it to you, and you dip it in the wine. Yeah. Yeah. and I was so scared. Actually, this is this year, right? I was so nerve wracked to walk yeah. up there and have this, um, you know, essentially a priest hand me yeah, uh, a piece totally. of bread. And I did it wrong the first time. I I ate the bread like right away because I I wasn't at all in ah. the culture of like taking the bread and dipping in the wine. You know, I had no idea that was the thing you're supposed to do, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it is nerve wracking. You have to walk up there and present yourself.
0: Well, I think right. there's a
1: sacrifice that we can make
0: that God made a sacrifice of dying on the cross. We can make the sacrifice of oh, yeah. going yeah, up and taking sure. communion.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I really like I really like that. And that and it is it is out of your comfort zone. Like even at my mom's church, I can't take communion, but I sometimes go up and get a blessing. Um and that's so nerve-wracking cuz you're like this is like so I don't want to do this, but yeah. It's great every time cuz you go up and you get a blessing or you take communion and it's like, wow, I'm doing this with my fellow believers.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Yeah. Yeah, um, um Really quick before we close, I want to start a new tradition in the the Harbor Podcast um, of each of us, you know, coming to this podcast with stories of how God has been working in our life. Um, And I just got a text from my mom that they were able to buy a house. um, Oh, let's go. Moscow, Idaho, uh, for a really, really good price. And we've been praying about this for a long time. Um, but I, I think it would be helpful to actually kind of do this regularly, of each yeah. of us bring things that God has been doing in our mm-hmm. life. But yeah, I just, um, it's been super cool to see how God has worked in my family over the years. Um, but this specifically has been the biggest thing recently. I've been working on this move for a long time and we've been praying about it, praying about it, praying about it. And you know, last week we got a buyer for a house and this week a house came on the market my parents drove up and it started snowing which meant that nobody was out like looking at these houses and it was one of the only ones on the market at the time and did they get it they got it nice so oh, that's awesome. Awesome, today. That's awesome and i'm sure your parents I'll will listen count. to this so
2: congratulations yeah
1: yeah it's anyway it, yeah, congratulations it, Miss, Miss um, that's awesome yeah that's so awesome. yeah it, it's just one way that god has been working in our life and i think it's helpful for other believers to hear how God is is moving in people's lives to yeah. give, to give strength and hope. Pray about things. Trust in God to, um, you know, work out situations that yeah you don't necessarily have the power to work out. You know, oh. um, yeah, especially the way with the the housing market is. Yeah. everything's up in the air. You know, there's there's no guarantee in anything. Um, but you just have to trust in God, right? For yeah. things like that, you totally do. And if you trust in Him, He follows through. Yep. You know um with whatever his plan is yes so. sir for anyway sure.
2: no that's good and then yeah i like that let's i do let's like do that it. let's, do, let's that. do it so well i uh think we're about to wrap about up out of time
0: but, uh, um if you guys want to join us um thanks for listening and we appreciate all of you guys and spread the word and um we're gonna be making more episodes before the end of school year so keep in touch and
1: Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy uh, this Easter Sunday, and thanks for uh, stopping. Yeah, Christ is risen.
0: Christ is risen.
1: Yep. Y'all take care.